Hi there. Welcome to the From Lab to Launch podcast by Qualio, where we share inspiring stories from the people on the front lines of life sciences. Tune in and leave inspired to bring your life-saving products to the world. Hi, everyone, and welcome to From Lab to Launch by Qualio. I'm Meg, your host. Thanks for tuning in today. Before we get started, we'd love it if you've rated the podcast. It's easy to do and share it with any of your science nerd friends. We know you have some. If you'd like to be on the show, please see the show notes for an application and we'll get connected that way. Today, we're excited to have Darwin Schurig, founder of CEO of Schurig Solutions, Inc., or SSI. Darwin is a seasoned entrepreneur and talent management expert. At SSI, he has built a successful executive recruiting firm that partners with clients to fill their greatest talent needs, strategically support initiatives, matching top performers with great companies and improving the quality of their most important resource, people. Yeah. He, he created the SSI Educational Webinar Series, the SSI Executive Conversations Podcast, Candidate Prep Best Practices, and the Top Talent Accelerant Process. You can read his full bio in the show notes, but since hiring and motivating a high-performing team is one of his top priorities for every founder in life sciences, we thought we'd we thought we'd bring Darwin's expertise and insight would be very useful today. Let's go ahead and bring him in. Welcome, Darwin. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Great. Can you tell us about the origin of Schurig Solutions and what inspired you to start the company? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so really, I, I was in corporate America for a little over 12 years. I started out in the clinical world and then uh, moved into uh, corporate America, managing sales teams, business development, marketing and, and contract negotiation. And um, I never in a million years thought I'd be doing this or be a, a recruiter, which is kind of funny or own a recruiting company. But I had an opportunity. I was a part of an acquisition. And uh, a larger company came in and acquired us. And after they integrated two, two and a half billion dollar business units, two weeks later, they let uh, about 250 of us go. And so uh, I had a friend that owned a recruiting firm and uh, he brought it to my attention. It wasn't something I was initially super excited about. But then after I uh, delved into it a little bit further, I just decided that the things that I didn't necessarily like uh, about recruiters I'd experienced in the past, we, we just wouldn't do those. And I thought there might be some things that we could put our own, um, I could put my own touch on it and differentiate in the marketplace. And so that's how in 2015, I, I started the company. Isn't it funny the way our life and career can take us sometimes? Yes, it is. <laughs> in the ever evolving world of talent management, what are the present trends and challenges that you've seen in the recruitment of top talent, especially in the medical device and pharma industries? Well, I think... You know, anybody that tells you that hiring talent's easy for them, they, they might not be being completely transparent. Um, and so one of the biggest challenges, I think, for anybody from a talent standpoint is understanding what your strategy is going to be and what is available to you. Um, but a lot of, uh, you know, from my perspective, a lot of recruiting can be transactional. And so <laughs> anything that you, you know, if you're transactional, you get what you put into it. And so I look at it, everything relevant to um, the main reasons why companies succeed and fail. And if you look at the top five to seven reasons why companies succeed and succeed across, you know, a lot of years and a lot of data, um, three of the top reasons all always come back to leadership relevant to mission, vision, and company alignment, and then the right talent. 
Um, and if you look in the medical world, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, we'll just use quality as an example. We can use multiple functional categories, but in quality, uh, the average cost to a company for an FDA warning letter is $5 million. And then in terms of the industry average, you're looking at about $6 billion a year. And so um, if you look at the top seven to 10 reasons for FDA warning letters, they all come back to poor leadership, cutting corners, poor design protocols, um, uh, software security issues, um, or fraud. They all come back to leadership or the wrong talent. And so um, understanding what you need people to do in positions. And then I think in terms of processes, attraction, efficiency, avoiding the cost of mishires is significant. Um, and then there's some other things that, you know, I'd share about that relevant to retention rates. But I think understanding what your strategy is and understanding how vital it is to the long-term, the short-term and the long-term success of your company so that you have higher employee engagement and less wasted resources is vital. Right. Going back to that retaining top talent, it's just as important, right, as attracting it. What are your yes. recommendations for organizations looking to retain the best talent? So, and we could, we could talk the whole podcast just on this, but, uh, you know, for, for, first of all, it's vitally important that companies understand what their mission is and who they want to be in the marketplace. And relevant to that, create through the interview process, a way to delineate cultural fit versus the technical skill in any functional area. And a lot of companies don't do that well. But you want to hire people that not only have the right skill set, but their personal why matches the company mission statement, along with having high emotional intelligence, being problem solvers, people that get along with other people. Because again, then you're going to have higher employee engagement. Um, having said that, don't be transactional with why you need to bring a person on for a position, uh, especially when you look at companies that start up growing mid caps. How could that role change in the next six to 24 months? Because again, avoiding the cost of a mishire. And when you look at retention, annual voluntary turnover across all industries is 25% a year. So a quarter of the talent walks out every single year, regardless of the company, the industry. Now, it's typically not the people that you want to leave that are leaving. So, so why are they leaving? Now, there's a lot of data behind this, um, but there's one particular study in the last three years where 70% of those that were... Uh, basically interviewed relevant to why they left early was because they didn't feel like they had any career growth. They didn't know where their opportunity lied. Um, 50% of them stated that if they'd had some conversation with their hiring manager or leadership relevant to their role or the future during that recent time, they might've stayed. So when it comes to annual voluntary turnover, that is half to four times on average, the cost of that position. So it's a huge cost, uh, wasted resources relevant to onboarding, training, and recruiting. So really understanding what you need a person to do in a position and where their opportunity for growth is. Is it vertical only? Is it horizontal? Or how open is the company to crossover talent? But first bringing in the right talent if it's culturally, but then really having annual employee uh, engagement programs and career ladders is the real secret from my perspective on how you retain your top talent, because if they're engaged, they like the culture and they know where their opportunity lies, they're more likely to stay. And companies that do that tend to see better retention rates. Not only are they better relevant to that annual voluntary, but they're better in the two-year, you know, five-year categories as well. Yeah. And maintaining that culture of quality too 
is easier to do when you don't have that 25% of people walking out the door every year. You're going to lose that every, every time. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And then right. I think the other thing, you know, we talked about earlier just about quality, but you could look at it. It's the same in almost every category, clinical trials, um, regulatory affairs submissions. But how, if, if you're having issues uh, in terms of getting good data, that's going to affect how you get on the market. Uh, you know, 70% of submissions are not accepted the first time. A lot of that comes back to talent. That delays getting the product in the market. So all those things create doubt within your culture. Anytime you have issues that lead to fines, delays to market, and that affect you from a risk management standpoint, that's going to make people think, well, maybe this isn't the right place to be. Yeah, that's a good point, too, for our life sciences industry perspective. Yes. Hey, so Darwin, you've created several in initiatives such as SSI Educational Webinar Series and the SSI Executive Conversations Podcast. Can you tell us more about these and how you're helping the industry's knowledge base? No, absolutely. Um, you know, the first four years was just really you know, first year or two, trying to stay in business and really understand what your value prop is and, and where you fit. Uh, but after about the four year mark, um, I really wanted to create a better presence in the industry in terms of giving back and uh, improve our authority in, in the marketplace as well, based on the people we associate, the people we interact with. And so uh, first was the, the webinar series. And I believe in bringing as much value and then kind of hiding in plain sight. And so you know, we started that. We've done uh, 25 successful. We're, we're uh, working on the next two that we're going to schedule. But it's all about, first of all, people that, you know, we have almost uh, pushing 30,000 people following us on social media. So there's a lot of people that follow us because that's where they want to take their career, the areas that we're in. And so they want to learn things relevant to improve that process and be a better professional. And then there's people that follow us because they have those problems. Okay, you're talking about something that we have that problem right now. So um, whether it's, hey, how do we get to that person that was a guest on the uh, on the program or let's go talk to them because maybe they can help us with that challenge. So that's kind of, you know, how it started and it, and it grew from there. And then with the podcast, I wanted to be able to bring, you know, the webinars are challenging. Uh, they take a little bit more time. And um, I thought the podcast, if we could successfully launch that, could bring even more value um, in terms of the time allotted to it that, you know, they're shorter we don't do those live, so we can record them and we can drop them when we want. And um, and it's a great way. The other thing in terms of the value that we're bringing to our partners, it's now turned into another aspect of our value prop because we can uh, promote our partners if they've got new positive clinical data, they have a new submission, um, pre-commercial launch, we can sort of soften the market. And, you know, if you're if you're one of the top 10 med tech or pharma life science companies and people know your name, but if you're not, you know, in that top 10 to 30, there's a lot of people that don't know who the companies are. And so the startups, the growing mid caps uh, really view us as great partners because we bring so much to the table there and we can brand them in the marketplace. And it, it, it increases that exposure for them in a positive fashion to the talent in the marketplace. It sounds like you're contributing not just to the educational um, knowledge base, but also creating an ecosystem for your partners and and yes, people in the that's, industries. That's, that's definitely the goal. Um, and then it's all about in terms of that ties into the attraction piece, because um, if people haven't heard about the company and if you look at if you think about how the industry works and that's why we trademark top talent accelerant, and that's where it came from, because if you, you know, a lot of the areas we work in are there's not enough talent, whether it's reg clinical, regulatory, quality, 
um, aspects of engineering. So if they talk to three recruiters, you know, maybe the recruiter's spoken to the hiring manager, maybe they haven't. <clears throat> maybe they understand the product's benefit to patients or access or efficiency in the healthcare systems and how that compares to the competition. And maybe they don't. And then they share a job description, which 30% of the time are wrong. And they're really a lot of times vanilla. So they don't tell a whole lot of information. And so then what happens? They have to go find information, find out if they know people that maybe have gone there. What a, you know, they have to do all this research. So lots of LinkedIn snooping. Right. Exactly. And so that's where TTA came from because we create a remarkable candidate experience um, using video technology as well as giving them uh, a location where they get all the information. They get to see a perspective of the culture, the hiring manager's personality, um, and they don't have to go look and search for that information. So it's a huge differentiator, changing the candidate experience to the benefit of the company. And it's a real differentiator uh, relevant to the white noise. So not only you know, the podcast and the webinars are one thing, but every single time we work on a position, we're branding our partners in the marketplace in a very differentiating manner. That's great. How have you found talent management and recruiting changed since COVID and, and now today in the current economic environment? Have you seen changes in trends? I mean, like anything, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's changed. I mean, the trends have changed like three, four times just since the pandemic started. Uh, um, and Last year, you know, in terms of money from the government going into things, right? It's driven hiring and then it's hurt hiring. And um, gosh, we, I mean, again, we could talk, we could talk probably the whole podcast just about this, but you look at when there are companies that were created because of the pandemic, um, it's been obviously a lot of challenge, but also there's been a lot of uh, positive disruption. But then uh, another one of the top seven reasons why companies fail is because they can't make decisions or make moves in challenging extreme markets, right? Well, there's companies that have done that really well with the pandemic. And then there's companies that tried to be something they weren't. Companies that had, you know, never made a ventilator before. Now they're trying to make ventilators because of all this money went into that. And they did that successfully at first, and then it all dried up. And now they're laying off companies going out of business. There's companies that had never made PPE before. And now all of a sudden they made a whole bunch of money or IVD diagnostics, right? And then that really wasn't who they were. Um, so certainly uh, in terms of remote strategies, you know, there's companies, obviously there's a lot of functional areas, certain functional areas, regulatory aspects of design quality, certainly marketing, a lot of different commercial roles where the ability to work remotely and do that successfully is, is extremely high. And a lot of professionals that did that and then companies, you know, kind of tried to move people back on site. So there's been a huge resistance to that. You know, I think yes. sale, the CEO of Salesforce was going to force everybody to come back in this last year. And then there were going to be mass resignations. So then he kind of backed off that. So it's going to be really interesting because it's kind of swung way, one way. Now it's coming back the other Um but I think it's going to be really hard for the areas where people have, you know, if they're top talent, they're really good at what they do. They're going to have a lot of opportunities. And so if you're going to limit yourself to talent and you're not going to be open for strategies, you know, remote strategies, it's going to make it a lot tougher. And then are you willing, what areas are you willing to, you know, where are you going to set that line of demarcation and say, this is the way it has to be. And then who will end up in that seat? Is it, you know, relevant to, again, cost of mishires, annual voluntary turnover, cultural fit, 
So there's a lot of considerations there. It's going to be interesting. Um, certainly, candidates have a lot of different opportunities. People are more interested in autonomy than they've ever been in discussions. It's crazy. Yeah. Like they, they never came up for the pandemic. Now they're one of the first things, top three things that come up. Um, there are more people moving into contracting scenarios than there were before yeah. the pandemic, which is interesting. Um, and it would appear the world of, of contract and consulting is only going to continue to grow and accelerate. Um, and then you've got another you know, huge change this year because the economy kind of went off a, a cliff in certain ways. Um, the cost of everything the last two years is regardless of whether, you know, we changed the terminology of things, you know, the cost has gone up um, for everything, every type of good. And then, you know, the Fed raised the rate. So the cost of borrowing money has gone up uh, three times. So there's a lot of companies that are holding on. You know, people are getting promotions without a title increase in pay, people that are uh, leaving positions open and, and companies that don't want to spend external resources, uh, spend resources on external recruiting. So it's, it's interesting. It's starting to, you know, seems like it's starting to come back, but a lot of the market has been down, I, I think, overall from a lot of different data points for recruiting. And then companies gave a lot of money in terms of uh, investment money to companies. And that's really slowed down because there's been some, you know, some bombs, some things that didn't go so well. So people are being a little bit more, um, doing a little bit more due diligence and taking a little bit longer to invest in, in startups right now, too. So a lot of different factors. Lots going on. Any trends with, you know, a younger workforce entering, a new generation entering the workforce? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, just how communication, how people look at things. Um, that is, you know, I was just at a conference and I, they were like one of the one of the people uh, that's maybe a little bit further in their career, closer to, you know, that I am made a comment about, is it the Z generation? Is it the Y? Um so I won't get into that too much, but I, I, based on that conversation, I made the comment and I'll, I'll make the same thing here. Like how important is it, whether you're a candidate to really understand what matters to you? What is your personal why? Why are you, what, what is going to help you get up in the morning and be excited about what you are going to do? And I think sometimes those younger generation are too focused on titles and compensation I think that's certainly a part of the conversation and important, but what they should be asking is what's the culture there like? What is my opportunity to gain new skills and who will I become if I go to this company? Because that in terms of the skills that they add and how's that, how they grow as an individual and how they're mentored and, you know, do they improve on their emotional intelligence and their ability uh, to handle pressure and the things that go along with these type of roles? Where is that going to lead them into their career versus just a title or simply the comp being the only reason? Um, and what's that culture like? Because again, you look at the cost of mishires, annual voluntary turnover, all those things. Um, the other thing I'll add to that real quickly is that a lot of the younger generation are more focused on the autonomy, even more so. Mm -hmm. You know, they want remote positions. They want, be careful what you wish for because, you know, depending on where you're at in your career, having too much autonomy can, you know, you can hang yourself uh, in a bad way or sometimes, you know, having boundaries because you end up working too much, but you're also missing out on significant opportunities for mentorship and learning from others that because, and now you're on an island. So, um, and sometimes we don't know what we don't know. So 
I would, I would really think about that if I'm earlier in my career about, and I have a perspective that I only want to be remote. I think that's great advice for people entering the workforce. Think about it as a journey and not the destination. Absolutely. Well said. What is the most challenging talent hire in life sciences today for you, Darwin? Oh, my. I mean, nothing we do is easy, but anything in, in, anything in clinical regulatory affairs is really hard. Scientific, um, you know, development, uh, quality formulation. So it really depends on what the product category is. Um, you know, if you look at life sciences relative to cell and gene therapy, I mean, there are a significant amount of clinical trials going on right now. And by 2025, you know, I think right now there's about 23 to 24 cell and gene therapies on the marketplace. And by 2025, there'll be 10 plus new product coming on the market annually. There's so many clinical trials going on. So that is an area where, for example, um, if a life science ties into that type of those type of products, the the ability to attract top talent in scientific development, up, uh, upstream, downstream, uh, formulation, quality or regulatory, um, leadership, and and then think about this, like commercial talent. Where is that talent going to come from? Especially if, if, if companies aren't open to crossover talent, because there's going to be a whole, um, there's going to be a, a lot of positions where there's people that have never done that before because there haven't been enough products on the market. And so, um, so it really depends on the product category, but typically, you know, design and development, RA clinical and, and quality are always challenging. And then leadership, leadership's a premium, <laughs> no matter what area you're talking about or it should be yeah many of our listeners are aspiring entrepreneurs and founders in life sciences what advice would you give them um when they're looking to start hiring their teams when you start hiring your teams uh so uh you check out uh you know a couple of my friends you know bernie Haffey, high performance management system great book um karen posey consults and coaches, CEOs, on how to make decisions relevant to voice of the customer and then have uh, alignment within the company for sustainable, profitable growth. And again, understand. So I would say, first of all, make sure you really understand what your mission and your vision is. Um, and you have to live that. So, you know, it can't be something that you do once. Think about design controls or your design history file, okay? Most companies get in trouble. Um, with the FDA because they haven't looked at their design history files, their inputs and outputs, you know, in three years, five years, et cetera. And so that is not, it's not a one-time do it, put it over here and put it in a drawer. It is a process that should evolve. And from the same standpoint, you know, leadership, understanding what your mission and uh, the company mission, vision, employee value proposition, and then make that a part of your hiring process so that, you know, if you're not sure on, um, you know, how to delineate the interview process, you know, reach out to us. We're more than happy to share information with you on that. But you want to hire people that uh, leadership IQ, uh, great, great uh, data. Uh, they, lots, a lot of data points, lots of companies. 11% of mishires were determined to mishire because the person did not have the actual skill that they were looking for. The other 89% were low emotional intelligence. They were not coachable. They had a, a poor temperament and play with their toys nicely. And 
they weren't motivated. So how important is it to hire people that have those skills and their personal while matches the company mission and what the company's trying to accomplish so that things are not going to always go well. 70% of companies don't make it 10 years, right? Across all industries. So when things get tough, if you have people that have the, the right skills and they match the why, they're going to come together for higher employee engagement, less wasted resources. So, you know, make that a focus. Don't just hand it off. And then, you know, your personal, your, your personal why, you got to know that really, really well, because this stuff's not easy. Um, and you don't want to be one of the, the 70%, right? So you want to be one of those that, uh, that makes it. And so really understand being that and make sure you put strong talent around you that you don't have an echo chamber. People that you trust and respect that can tell you something and because um, you can't be everything, uh, especially as you start to scale. You got to have the right people around you. Trusted advisors. Absolutely. Yes. Great. Um, when a founder is making the first few hires in the business, what are some questions they should absolutely ask a candidate? Like, number one question they should ask. Number one question. I mean, what the sooner that you can get past, um, you know, the fluff, the sooner that you can get past, and a part, a big part of this is going to be whether or not your your processes are in place and that you're attracting, you know, if you're posting and praying or you're trying to get talent transactionally, you're going to have a harder time getting to this. Think about talent like an iceberg in the water. So if you're, you know, if you're doing it transactionally, you're doing it low fee, you're doing posting and pray, and you don't have a good partner, the tip of the iceberg is the talent that you're going to potentially get. You're not going to get the talent that the top talent, that's the huge iceberg under the water, the 70%. Um, you know, but if you're getting, if you're getting to the right people, understand what matters to them and what they're looking for. Um, you cannot just interview people. You have to attract. So you, there has to be a balance of that. And, and then having a process of, of, in terms of delineating the culture so that, because if you do that well, it's not easy to do, but if you have it set up right, candidates will literally tell you why you shouldn't hire them. They won't even know it, but they'll tell you why you shouldn't hire them. Um, but you want people with high emotional intelligence. You want people that are, that are problem solvers, right? And that are not always right. And that want to be a part of, of a team and they want to do something special. So understanding what it is they're looking for and who they're looking to become, because if that matches up, and then you get people like that, most likely it's going to work out well. They'll figure out a way to make it work. And then that product, we're all in this, uh, or I believe we're all in this. I mean, my clinical background, the reason why I'm in this space, because I want to help people with unique career advancement opportunities, but ultimately banging positive products, building companies or helping our families, right? Um, and and uh, bringing a benefit to patients. And so if they're passionate about what solution your product brings, whether it's specifically to the patient, it's access, right? Or it's increasing efficiencies in the system so it frees up dollars to go elsewhere for our, for our families. Then if they fit the culture, um, so I, I know that's not super specific because it's really hard depending on the functional area, but you got to have people that believe in what it is that you're doing um, and then that are going to stick around and, and not fold when things get tough. Yeah, I think that's great advice for founders to find your own mission and vision, have that be really clear, and then make sure that you're hiring people who share that same ethos. I think that's great advice. 
what, one other thing I got to throw this out real quick is I Thanks. just thought of, but I was a moderator for Karen Posey's uh, CEO, CEO master course. And, you know, one of the statistics on there was like 45% of CEOs feel very lonely. Um, and I can relate to that at times over the last eight years. And so again, that's how important it is. You have a support system. You, you're not, you can't have all the answers. You have to provide the vision. You have to understand what, as a CEO, you're responsible for, but you cannot be everything to everybody. Um, and you've got to make sure that you got strong stakeholders and a support system um, because, you know, CEOs live, the, the data is, you know, five years less than, <clears throat> than others. And then from a pressure standpoint, you know, they get less sleep, they work 70% weekends, you know, vacations. And so that's why the cultural fit and understanding company alignment is so vital because if you do have issues, you don't, you know, you're the ones going to have to explain to the investors and stakeholder why the clinical data, you know, didn't, didn't meet muster. You're going to have to explain why the submission didn't go through and now money was wasted and the product's not going to be on the market longer. And when those things happen, you think the CEOs are having less stress. You think they're getting less sleep. So, you know, you got to have a good support system and understand that you need that. Yeah. And be willing to accept the help probably too. Yeah. Yes. That's why advisory boards, if you understand, if, if you pick the right people for your board um, and you manage it right, are invaluable. Great. Um, what is your long-term vision for Shurig Solutions, Inc.? And what do you see as your next big milestone or goal for the company? That's a great question. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a really interesting year uh, because we've grown so significantly the last four years. And then um, I made a lot of mistakes scaling the company um, in, in a couple of different areas. Uh, the good news is, you know, through challenges, if you're paying attention, you have a great opportunity to learn. And so um, though we had a really rough year this year relevant to the economy and um, the lowering of the water, getting to see, you know, boulders, we've created uh, some, some great best practices. And that's where some of the things that we're doing now, um, you know, helping companies customize their interview process kind of came from some of the challenges of the last two years. Um, TTA, uh, we've been doing the candidate experience for our partners for almost two years, but some of the challenges that happened, that's really where the partner experience came from. And we're filling roles 40% more efficiently for our partners and saving them on wasted resources. So through those challenges, you know, that came. So um, I, I think, you know, as the economy comes back, you know, our goal is, I think we're going to have a great opportunity to scale more efficiently moving forward. And then there's some other things that I can't go into, but we're too, too deeply, but we're in the process of uh, starting a second company to bring some of those efficiencies maybe to other, other industries, um, you know, through a SaaS model. So um, I can't go into too many details relevant to that, but, uh, and then uh, continuing to be a, a, a positive voice, you know, in the ecosystem. Uh, mm -hmm. I presented uh, five times this year and, um, you know, the podcast is doing really well. And so our, our goal is to, to extrapolate and grow that uh, to continue to be able to promote other companies and leaders in their technology, um, as well as, you know, career paths in the marketplace and to help candidates really look at things differently in terms of how they want to take their career, how they should look at the process and help companies do a better job of, of customizing their process relevant to attraction and efficiency. So they have better efficiency because um, if, if the companies are healthy and companies are growing, that's better for everybody. 
And so our goal is to continue to evolve, to be um, a voice in the industry that's beneficial and, and helps, you know, raise all companies, whether we're partnering with them or not. That would be the, you know, the high level goal, I guess. That sounds amazing. And I smell a webinar in our future, Darwin. <laughs> I love it. Definitely. Yeah. Well, maybe also, you have to make that happen in 2024. Yeah, absolutely. We also do a lot with, with charity. We, we support four charities and um, I'm looking at starting a charitable foundation and some things that are going to come, you know, we'll help fund some things for that. So um, yeah, very excited about the future and very excited about um, finishing up this year strong and, and what's going to happen next year. I can't wait to see what you guys do in 2024. Oh, thank you. For our last question, it's more of a fun one. We like to ask each of our guests. If we ran into you at the bookstore or your local library, in what section would we find you? Oh my. So this question came up beforehand and they were asking me, some of the <laughs> staff were asking me what I was going to say and uh, some jokes that could get me in trouble and things like that. But um, I would most likely be in the section um, that has to do with learning something. Um, you know, I'm reading, uh, I, I, I read a lot. So I'm, you know, reading a book right now that has to do with levels of consciousness and, you know, power versus force and, um, you know, emotional intelligence. But uh, I'm always typically reading something that is learning, whether it has to do, you know, medical anti, you know, resistant bacteria or something that has to do with business or growth or, you know, becoming a better person, uh, yeah. trying to bring value to other people. So I'd be, I'd probably be in some aspect of, you know, self-help, self-help or, you know, learning something that has to do with, with our industry or, or clinically or medically. Yeah. And it sounds like you're turning that knowledge into helping people grow professionally and finding good leaders and organizations, all good stuff. Ah, thank you. That's the goal. Yeah. Well, thank you, Darwin, for joining us today from On From Lab to Launch by Qualio. Where can our listeners go to follow along and connect with you? Absolutely. So uh, you can find any of our content at our website, www.shurigsolutions.com. Uh, you can uh, follow our, our podcast. You can download our podcast from anywhere that you, you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple. Uh, if you like to watch it on video, we have a SSI YouTube channel as well. And um, you can reach out to us at 317-983-HIRE or you know, directly, you can contact us directly through our website as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Darwin. It's great having you today. I really appreciate uh, your time and the opportunity to be on here as a guest. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From Lab to Launch, brought to you by Qualio. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give the show a positive review. It really helps us out. For more information about Qualio, our guest today, or to be a guest on a future episode, please refer to the show notes. Until next time.